Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of No Such Thing as a Fish. Before we get going, I have some news, and that is that we are going to do some live shows. Now, this news will not be news to those of you who are members of Club Fish, because you have already had your priority booking time. But to everyone else, the tickets will be available on Friday the 12th of May at 2pm UK time. That is today if you're listening to the show the day it goes out, or it's a Friday in the past if you're not. Uh, So the tickets are very likely to be available right now, and the way you get those is to go to nosuchthingasafish.com forward slash Soho. The shows will be at the Soho Theatre in London. They take place from the 17th of July to the 21st of August. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, loads of facts, loads of dorkiness, loads of special, special guests. And as I said, if you want tickets for that, you can go to nosuchthingasafish.com forward slash Soho. If you're thinking, it's in London, I can't get to there, I live all the way in Belgium, then fear not, because we also will be doing one show in Belgium at the Nerdland Festival. That will be with our old friend Levenskyra, and that will take place Zondag, the, <laughs> the 28th of May, uh, which luckily, I mean, my I assume that's Flemish. Uh, It's not that good, but luckily my diary tells me it will be on Sunday, the 28th of May, and tickets for that are available at nerdlandfestival.be. So I hope to see lots of you at some of those gigs. But as far as today's podcast is concerned, it is a live show, and it was one that we did at the British Library with the incredible comedy actor and genius that is Sally Phillips. We did this show for the Fantastic Beasts exhibition at the British Library. They wanted us to do a show all about animals, and... I'll be honest, we stretched that a fair bit from time to time, but we had so much fun. I really hope you enjoy the show. I'm sure you will. And I guess what else is there to say apart from on with the podcast? Hello and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast this week coming to you live from the British Library. My name is Dan Schreiber. I am sitting here with James Harkin, Andrew Hunter-Murray, and Sally Phillips. And once again, we, yes, and once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with fact number one, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that the British Library's Fantastic Beasts collection originally included accounts of a nine-foot dragon terrorizing Essex and an army of horses that teleported to rural Wales. (laughs) And it was donated by the founder of the British Museum, Sir Hans Sloane. Wow. So he was a nutcase. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing, right? He's uh, Hans Sloane, if you don't know who he is, he was one of the founders of the British Museum, an incredible guy. He was a doctor, and on top of being a doctor, he was obsessed with collecting. He collected everything, and that's what became the basis of the British Museum's collection. He was a hoarder. He was a hoarder, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was a serious hoarder. He yeah. had he had like a separate apartment to hoard in uh, because it got too much in his own. Um, yeah, and he. And how did he die? Did it all collapse on him? Yes, exactly. <laughs> a museum pillar took him out. Um, no, he um, he was quite old, I think, when he died. I think he, he was, was in his nineties. He was ninety three. Ninety three. Yeah. Wow. Is this 
the bringer of chocolate, the man I know is the bringer of the hot chocolate to the United Kingdom. Controversial. Controversial, yeah. is he? He was, um, yes. and I think I think it's been claimed that uh, that was uh, something he nicked. It was ready in <gasps> place. Yeah, I think uh, he was in Jamaica, maybe. He was in Jamaica. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then it was a practice there. You sort of grated cocoa with milk and, and yeah. cinnamon and stuff. But I think okay. he probably... Sorry to shit on him in his own home, but... Um... <laughs> The teleporting horse is better anyway. It's way better, isn't it? Yeah, so this is what I was about to say was is all the collections that got handed over after he passed away in his will to be the basis of the British Museum's collection yeah. eventually became the British Library's collection as well. And there was lots of papers, there was lots of physical objects, and a part of it was a collection of things called strange news. He was obsessed Ooh. with strange news, stories yeah. that would come out from France and Scotland and Wales of odd things that, you know, like... Um, uh, well, like dragons, like dragons, like, um, yeah. appearing horses in the it middle of the It was the artifact version of no such thing as a fish. Yes. Exactly. Well, he's the yeah, he's the old me, I guess. Um, <laughs> you have fewer links to the slave trade, we should say, Dan. Just, uh, fewer, Thank fewer. You. <laughs> um, yeah. So this um, this big dragon that arrived in Essex, um, it was in a place called Henham, which is just north of Stansted. It's about two miles north of Stansted. And so what I like to imagine is actually there was like a, a time travel portal that came in and it was actually an easy jet flight coming in. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. But there's loads of other things that he, he claimed. And the thing is, he went out to collect things from around the world. But the reason he did that is because he thought it would help people to better understand God's design of the world. And so when he was finding this strange news, a lot of things he didn't believe in, but there were some things that he did. So he found a story from France where fist-sized hailstones came down and kind of battered everything and hurt a lot of people and killed a lot of crops. But the only thing that was saved was a Protestant church. Yeah. And he thought that this was proof that, you know, God was saving them. Yeah, this, this one's amazing. There was a story, <laughs> this is from Scotland. There was a guy who died... And he was in his home. They laid him to in state. Is it in state? What is it? When you lay someone... Sure. Yeah. Sure. So he's uh, laid in the house. He's in a coffin for people to come and see. Oh, like an open wake, coffin. Like a wake. Yeah. Yeah. A state is pretty fancy. It's pretty <laughs> queenish, isn't it? Yeah. That's, um, yeah. yeah. So you just said this guy. Was this <laughs> well, the this king the of thing. Scotland? Was no, 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 no. How long was the queue? Is what we're yes. asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just a guy. And... Um, it was a town of Dumfries. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dumfries, yeah. 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 So apparently people went to visit him and then it came the time where, okay, let's bury him now. And they tried to lift him and no one could lift him. He was really heavy. They just, they tried everything. So they brought cattle in and they tied ropes around him and tried to pull him oh. and he didn't move. And then the house burnt down and oh. he remained as the only thing that was still there. Wow. He's like Arthur's sword in the stone. He's he's the, the guy in the house. Yeah, the corpse in the house. Yeah. Sorry, so he, he, he collected this story, but he didn't collect the guy. <laughs> no, no. You can't you collect the guy, the guy is the yeah. point of the story. <laughs> <laughs> so he had strict... Were these kept in diary form or like what kind no, of no. evidence so these, were these, they? These were like weird pamphlets that used to get produced and so people right. would go and buy them on the street and it would just yeah. say, strange news from Scotland. So he's 1660, is it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really early. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, sh we should say that... Uh, I know we, do we don't need to say it. None of the stuff is true that we're... Descri as in... <laughs> We keep, we keep saying, apparently, and then yeah. 
<laughs> describing things which people almost, thought it was. Some people thought it was yeah, true. That's true. I'm just saying, if in like 400 years they're discussing a copy of the Daily Star and saying, <laughs> apparently there was a there is an infinitely heavy man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember that headline. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I, actually, weirdly, I found a Star headline in the course of because I was researching animals which are not proven to exist. Yes. Uh, and there was a headline in the Daily Star in 2008, Loch Ness Monster dies aged three million. <laughs> that's a shame. Yeah, I know. Oh, oh, yeah. that's completely Global warming, very sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting, the whole thing of fictional, fictional creatures, isn't it? Cryptids. I did Italian. Dante, there were a lot of fictional creatures. The phoenixes in, in Dante oh, yeah. ate only incense and cardamom pods in heaven. <laughs> Cardamom pods. What's that? It's that they're, bit of a curry that you see and you're like, oh, they've left it in. <laughs> oh wow! And no, it's the in thing heaven? in the in the yeah. in the jazz version of a cinnamon bun. Right. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were three types of phoenixes, three types of of yetis. Yeah, you found a yeti that I'd never heard of. Which yeah. is what was it called? Well, it was. Uh... Um, yeah, there's three types. The Nyalmo, which is black, has black fur and is the largest and the fittest, which is 15 foot tall. Mm. The Chuti, which is eight feet tall and lives 8,000 to 10,000 feet above sea level. And the <laughs> Rangshimbombo, <laughs> which is only three to five feet tall and I think must have been just mistaken it as an orangutan or some kind of baboon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first one sounds like a gorilla. Rangshimbombo, yeah, it does, it does a bit. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. The, the, the first one you're describing oh, the first is black fur, sounds like, like black quite black tall. Fur the largest, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. The, the abominable snowman, I mean, they had some fur, didn't they, that they kept they, various times over history they would analyse the DNA of yeah. and occasionally yeah. find it to be a horse or... Yeah, or, <laughs> but, a, or a bear or a... But they now think it is a kind of bear hybrid thing, don't they? Mm. Really? Oh, do they? I think uh, so. That's interesting. Yeah. Also, oh, okay. um, I'd, I've, I've studied this a lot, actually, Sally. Um, <laughs> and, um, I'm trying to find the thing you haven't studied a lot. <laughs> I, I, that's I, everything this, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we've hit on the one thing I've studied. <laughs> this is a dream come true. But um, Brian Blessed, who is a very... Um, Yeti. <laughs> well, that's what he would say. He would go for the Yeti, looking for the Yeti, and then the locals that he would meet in the Himalayas would say, oh, it's a Yeti. And he realised that all the stories are him. It's him. <laughs> <laughs> I read about uh, quite recently in Nepal, they had like these, um, I think they were models or badges or some kind of publicity of the, of the Yeti. And they sent them out and then all the locals were like, well, the Yeti looks nothing like that. What are you doing? Because he didn't have any fur on. And the guy who did it said, well, no one knows what it looks like anyway. So that's one thing. And number two, fur is actually really difficult to draw. <laughs> <laughs> so King Kong, for example, yeah. not a cryptid, I know a fictional <laughs> character. <laughs> character. Yeah, a crowbar is what you're attempting. No, we're talking about large, hairy okay, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Fa fellas. Sorry. And King Kong is, is all of these three things. Um, but King Kong was originally based on a lizard. Was um, it? Yeah. Oh, well, Godzilla, no. I think Godzilla's a bit later. K King Kong was based on the Komodo dragon. Really? Oh, yeah. Really? There was a f so the filmmaker behind King Kong was uh, Marion C. Cooper, and he was friends with an explorer called William Burden, who had, had got permission to collect some Komodo dragons from the Dutch East Indies, yeah. as they were then, now Indonesia. Mm. And um, until 1910, nobody, nobody from the West had seen a Komodo dragon. So they were cryptids. They weren't believed oh. in. They had not been yeah. sighted, spotted, hunted, brought back. There were no specimens. And uh, one was brought back by William Burden to the USA. And in the course of the expedition, his wife was nearly... 
eaten by eaten a... by a Komodo dragon. What right. really? And and yeah, she she wow. was she'd finished a sort of setting a, a you know a photography you know like a photo trap up or something for it. Yeah, yeah. And was going back and came face to face with one and you know had a lucky escape. Wow. And so that image of this kind of glamorous woman faced with a terrifying beast, when William mm. Burden brought back the sample that he got of a Komodo dragon, Marion C. Cooper saw it and thought, what if it was a monkey? And that, and that, <laughs> and that well, I mean, because gorillas were also new in the USA at the yeah. time. How old, was, how old was his wife? Oh, I don't know. Because there is a thing when you sort of hit menopause, your, your maternal instinct goes really <laughs> into overdrive and you start wanting to mother beautiful... <laughs> Primates and yeah, lots of women get into trouble that way. <laughs> in animals and, and show business, there's yeah. a marriage made in hell. <laughs> we had an animal agent who came on to smack the pony quite a lot. Ja oh, yeah. Jackie, she had quite a lot of uh, represented a lot of animals that would come occasionally with need, and she had a Vietnamese pot-bellied pig on her business card. And I went, oh, he's so cute. You know, perimenopause starting, so cute. <laughs> and um, do you still have him? She went, no, he weren't bringing in any work, so we ate him. <laughs> wow. I hope she said that in earshot of all the other animals. <laughs> you better do yeah. your job. Yeah, it's terrible. Apparently, the hardest animals to train are owls. They just don't get it, apparently. It's it it really interesting, isn't it? You'd think that an owl would be smart, but yeah. no, dumb. <laughs> Cannot repeat. Uh, really? Ravens are the dogs of the of the sky. Penguins are aggressive, bit of a nightmare, um, <laughs> and they have explosive poo. Do you know this? Who ravens? Uh, penguins. Who okay. poo <laughs> explodes. Oh. So very difficult to. Well, pick no, no, up. no, no. As in, you mean um, the poo shoots out? It, shoots does, out. it doesn't. They don't lay it and then it just <laughs> <laughs> explodes. Imagine if dogs did that. Yeah. Every time you'd be walking through the park, it'd be like walking through World War One, wouldn't it? <laughs> A bit like the you end of Blackadder. Don't take your foot off it. Don't take your foot off it. <laughs> yeah. They have lots of animals obviously playing each part. The, um, the kestrel in Kez was played... Do you know this? Are you pretty? Played. played by three different kestrels called oh. Freeman, Hardy and Willis after the, <laughs> after the shoe shop. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I presented the Palm Dog Award for best... <laughs> the Palm Dog? The Palm Dog. There is, you know, in Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival, yeah, yeah. some British journalists 22 years ago now set up the Palm Dog rather than the Palm Door for the best canine performance. And I was lucky enough <laughs> to present the award with Ronnie Ancona to Quentin Tarantino on behalf of... The dog in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, which is played by three three dogs, two <laughs> male dogs and one Crosby female stills dog. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the dogs don't get to come to the ceremony, or well, they didn't. The, the dog didn't come to the. No, they found a, a similar breed and they brought that dog in. Dog didn't know what was happening. Oh God, they well, ate, they ate Quentin, the first dog, didn't they? <laughs> Quentin urinated on the carpet. No, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fine. But, yeah, yeah, so obviously you have, you have wow. several. And they use different animals. So he was saying, Quent, my, Quentin, um, <laughs> Quent, Quenty, Quint, Tar. <laughs> my brother tried to license his image to put on lunchboxes. I don't know why. But anyway... They, well, <laughs> well, hang well, on, we need to... We but he said they had three different dogs, <laughs> one girl and two boys. And on the day, he thought the two male dogs were better, but then turned out the female dog was actually... When he got into the edit, he realised she was a much better the actress. Sorry, yeah. can we your get back brother to your brother? Tried yeah. to, <laughs> tried um, to licence Quentin Tarantino's image, image, famously a man who makes 18 certificate films, yes, for lunchboxes. For children's lunch, lunchboxes. Yeah. <laughs> 
What was he thinking the market? I, d I, d I didn't ask. It was only like a long time after he told me that that I realised that that was mad. <laughs> Tarantino's up there. He's accepting it's an like award a brand, as a dog. It's like a brand, you know that image You're... of him? But like where... the Che Guevara Tarantino picture. I think they were putting that on stuff. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Is that a famous picture, the Che Guevara Tarantino? But do you know the one I mean, though? No. I, don't you? Okay, so I feel like there's a very sort of known... I don't know if you remember, Dan knows everything about Yetis and nothing <laughs> about anything else. <laughs> do you know, just, just going back to mythological creatures a second, the, um, you, speaking of penguins exploding um, poo out their bums, there's a mythological creature called... Smooth, by the way, smooth. Thank you. <laughs> there's a thing called the Bonacan. Have you heard of the Bonacan? Bonnikin's no. like a, it's, it's like this beast which is like a half horse, it's got curved horns, and the way that it would, if it was being hunted by humans, the way that it would deter the humans is to fire poisonous shit out of its bum, right? But wow. it can, it can yeah. make a distance, and this is what's most impressive about this thing that doesn't exist, um, <laughs> is it can shoot at three acres. That's um, a unit of area. Uh, area, not distance, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So does he cover the entire, like, one and a half football pitch? Yeah, I, think I, say... I think it does cover three. I read, <laughs> I've also read about the Bonacon. Interestingly, Brian Blessed told me... He could do that, he can't he? He could do that. Yeah, when yeah. he was on Everest, he Four said... Four acres. Yeah, he, he, said when you, he said he had a bout of diarrhoea on Everest and the poo shot out and it... He said that his thing he often says is, don't camp under the French because the fuckers will shit on you. It, that's... That's right. his like. That's a, like a T-shirt quote from him. But again, who's buying these obscene T-shirts and lunchboxes? Yeah, I need to meet your brother actually. <laughs> um, no, so anyway, the Bonnikin. The Bonnikin is a um, is a terrifying creature with three acre uh, poisonous poo. Yeah. Shoots. And everyone that's depicted trying to hunt it all faces the other way, basically facing as as ready to run mm. because they want to escape the, uh, yeah. the firing poisonous line. Poisonous poo. Yeah. Oh, it's like fighting Medusa. Have you come across, I'm sure you have, the fictitious creatures of lumberjack culture? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> sounds amazing. No. <laughs> Guys, settle in. Um, <laughs> there are a number of books called things like Fearsome Critters about fictional creatures in lumberjack lore. Yep. And they're things like, um, well, my favourite one, let me look at my favourite one. There's a splinter cat. It's a regular cat, but with no logic. <laughs> who's an indiscriminate destroyer of hollow trees, which was their explanation for, um, for, for lightning strikes. Oh, but there, is a, there was one that was uh, the lumberjack hunter that okay. hides behind trees so you can't see it, but um, can only be deterred by loads of alcohol. So <laughs> the lumberjacks must be drunk <laughs> to keep safe. That's good. That's kind of fun. That's good logic. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to move on. We've, we've run way over. Oh, um, no. I was reading um, some stuff by Alien, um, the Roman writer and orator. What? Um, alien. 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 Oh, alien. I'm going to call him Alien. Alien. Yeah. Alien. Yeah. Alien. alien. Um, and he's got loads of amazing creatures. He has the Buprestis, which he believed existed, which is a creature which, if swallowed by a cow, causes the cow to swell and burst. Um, he had wow. a smooth lobster uh, where if you saw it on the beach and then you marked where it was and you drove it to anywhere in the world, when you got back to where it was, it would be back there. Whoa! You That's sure it wasn't great. teleporting? <laughs> Good one, yeah. And he said also that um, if a snake is eating something that's a little bit too big for it to swallow and it kind of gets it into the mouth and can't go any further, it'll stand straight <laughs> on its tail and jiggle itself so <laughs> the food will go down into his stomach. Amazing. 
Have you seen those videos of people hunting anacondas? No. No. They put a, a leather trouser on. Oh, yeah, yeah. And stick their entire leg into the snake's hole. Yeah, they get swallowed. Why would you do and that? And then they have a load... To catch a snake to, I guess... Oh. You're, you're, you're the worm for fishing. You're the worm. In the I don't like this. Yeah. And then they, put, they haul you out and then, and then kill the... Snake. And the leather thing is so that the snake doesn't digest, so all the juices doesn't oh. yeah. digest the and human body. And maybe the teeth can't go through it or something? Yeah, or yeah I think just, that as well. Oh, it's just there was awful. A guy, did you see the guy? I, I think this is right. He was attempting to be swallowed by a snake as well. Um, and it was going to be like a world record. But What's the... What, <laughs> I think I'm right in saying this. Guinness don't even accept, you know, heaviest cat anymore. <laughs> I think, unfortunately... Don't they? No. Oh, they sorry, found an Sally. infinitely heavy one in Dumfries, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> but this guy who... This was big. It was big. It was set up. It was, like, with, a, like, a Nat Geo kind of thing. Um, the snake started swallowing on the wrong end, so he went head first. And, <laughs> and he wasn't ready for it, and so they had to pull him out and cancel didn't he not, the... Did he not have his big leather hat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do. I mean, they catch fish like that sometimes in America, don't they? It's catfish, and they'll get the cat to grab hold of their fist, and then when it's bitten, they pull it out. Really? It's called catfisting. <laughs> Is it? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be catfished, if anything. <laughs> um... It is time for fact number two, and that is... James. Okay, my fact this week is that in real life, the very hungry caterpillar would have gone around headbutting his mates. <laughs> so these days, you know, all of these um, children's books are getting rewritten, aren't they? Like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm calling for the very hungry caterpillar to be rewritten to be more factually accurate. Um, because <laughs> according to the people at Florida Atlantic University, Whenever caterpillars get really, really hungry and they don't have enough food, they'll go around looking for other caterpillars and then they'll attack them, knock them off where they're eating, and then they'll go in and eat their leaf. No way. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And so that's what Eric Carle really should have been writing about. It's a tough one. Um, yeah. They book. don't eat ice cream. They don't eat lollipops. They don't eat salami. <laughs> they tend to only eat one kind of leaf. Any caterpillar. Oh, Whatever is, caterpillar you get, This they is going to sell like. big, James. <laughs> On so Monday, be... he got in one fight and he ate one of the same kind of leaf that he's going to eat for the rest of the week. They do occasionally, they occasionally get a species which will eat fruit. So you oh, might really? get one that would eat an apple, yeah. but it would only eat apple. And right. it would only eat the same apple and it would live inside the apple it was eating until it was I, ready I to I actually work. would really enjoy that book. <laughs> <laughs> My partner, Ian, pointed out on the way here that Eric Carl was conscripted into... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he fought on the Siegfried line. I think oh. it was. Yeah. So, yeah, he was an American born. He, yeah, with a at German age 15, mom. he was conscripted yeah. and he had to dig the trenches. In my head, that's a bit like a caterpillar. Do caterpillars dig? Oh. <laughs> that's what gave him the idea. He was born in Germany. The family moved to America really soon, or he was, he, his early years were in America, certainly. Then the family moved back to Germany in 1935 right. when he was about six years old. So at the end of the war, he was conscripted to dig trenches and he yeah. was fired at. And he was he, 15 I mean, he as well. He was 15 years old. Yeah. yeah. And, wow. then, and then after the war, obviously had a horrible time. His father was in a prison camp and, and had an awful time. Then the family moved, he certainly moved back to America. And then he was conscripted a second time to go to, to join the US Army and to go back to Germany again, no. where he was involved in... Filling in the holes that he dug. <laughs> 
<laughs> I actually feel quite bad that I'm shitting on his buck now. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Well, I mean, is it any wonder that the follow-up book was called The Very Grumpy Ladybird? <laughs> <laughs> and there was another you... called Polar Bear, What Do You Hear? I think. He wrote, he wrote a lot. Or what do you see? Lens what books. do you hear? Yeah, because, yeah. yes. He's a great artist. and yeah. You know, yeah. Also, yeah, wrote, an amazing yeah. scheme off the back of this book, because there was an Eric Carle museum that you can go to in America, and in the museum, everything, everything, everything has is edible. a hole in it. Oh, sorry. Well, no, not everything's edible. That would be amazing, yeah. No, every, <laughs> so, like, if you go to the canteen, you buy a cookie, and the cookie has a massive hole in it. Like, it's brilliant. A, so this guy is saving so much money in his... Like, there was... I remember reading that the New York Times, when they <laughs> removed the dot at the end of New York Times, that little... On the headline, they were saving $600 a year. That little bit of ink cost right. them so much. Imagine how much that bit of cookie that's missing is, is well, What do they the do music. with those little bits of cookie, though? Do they They, give... they sell... They sell the cookies. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. imagine how you could ruin that museum by having Eric Carle's experience of warfare. <laughs> like a room. That's, yeah, that's not As the good go room in. to go in. Yeah. Trench digging. Trench and, room. Yeah. yeah. So I went onto his website mm. because there is another problem in this book. Uh, and <laughs> that is that towards the end, the caterpillar goes into a cocoon yes. uh, oh, and yeah. becomes a butterfly. But butterflies don't go into cocoons. Butterflies go into chrysalises. Well, cat caterpillars. Caterpillars. Butterflies don't go into anything. No, they come from chrysalises. <laughs> no, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so some kids have written into him and said, well, why have you got a cocoon in your book? And he replied saying, well, there is a rare genus <laughs> that lives in <laughs> Siberia, North Korea, and the northern islands of Japan um, called Parnassian, which does pupate in a cocoon. <laughs> so he's... <laughs> He was hugely relieved when he found <laughs> out. As in, that doesn't... What's the difference, sorry? What's the difference between a chrysalis and a cocoon? So a cocoon is made out of silk, uh, and a chrysalis isn't. <laughs> uh, chrysalis is made out of nylon. It's, <laughs> yeah, uh, but you get quite a lot of moths that make cocoons. Okay. Uh, and other insects, but right. uh, butterflies don't. Uh, but he did then say, actually... You know, caterpillars don't eat lollipops either. This was just right. a. This it's was. A, yeah. It's a special caterpillar. It's allowed to do what it wants. Yeah. All right. It's a, it's a children's book. Grow up. And, that... <laughs> and then um, another kid wrote in saying yeah. caterpillars don't have noses. <laughs> oh, get oh. stuffed! Just, uh, I mean, just you know. Come and he on. said, oh. "I know it has a nose on its face, but this feature grew out of my imagination." <laughs> don't have shoes either, caterpillars. <laughs> I read an anecdote about him, which I, I'm only bringing it up because I didn't understand it, so I'm hoping that maybe you guys will. Um, so he said that his... He wrote all these books, as you were saying, where it was sort of like the next kind of... So the very busy spider, the very quiet cricket. And in an interview, he says that um, he found himself in the changing rooms after swimming, and a satirical young fan suggested a book entitled The Very Slow Penis. <laughs> to the author's great amusement. <laughs> and I can't work out what's funny about that. <laughs> what's a slow penis? Oh, ask your wife. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, it's Does it also have a hole going through it, this book? <laughs> <laughs> I just can't work out what a slow penis is. Yeah. Anyway. There's a slow loris. There was a... <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've anyway. stopped us all down. Thank you. Yeah. At no such thing on Twitter <laughs> if you want to <laughs> let us know. Oh, well, like, he's, he got their hairs right anyway. Butterflies yeah. and moths, I discovered, have nearly 10 billion hairs on them. No. 10 billion. Because these scientists have spent over a decade 
studying the surface area Count, of animals. Counting. <laughs> counting, yeah. No, the surface area of animals. I mean, that's such a funny thing, I think. Like, yeah. So a cat's yeah. surface area is actually like a ping-pong table. <laughs> <laughs> when you cover your ping-pong table in, cat, the ball doesn't bounce nearly as well. Yeah. well sea we, otter oh, has the surface area of a professional hockey rink. Because they've, they've, they've got, got, is it the, the hairs? So many, yeah, yeah, so many hairs, so many different hair. hairs. That's brilliant. Mm. And a honeybee has the same number of hairs as a squirrel. Really? Wow. What? I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's the Georgia crazy. Institute of Technology, just astonishing. <laughs> um, That's amazing. What yeah, do we, they were what running we calculations to find the true surface area of animals um, because they were trying to work out ways of keeping things clean. So dogs obviously shake... Or, or every animal has a different way of keeping clean. Sometimes the fur helps them to stay clean, sometimes it doesn't. It's why you must never shave a dog. I'm sure you haven't, but don't <laughs> shave a dog, even a really furry one. It's not good for it. I used to have a chow chow. They, they don't get a number one. <laughs> yeah, My you shouldn't chow shave chow your chow chow. One. You, yeah. shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. That's bad. <laughs> that's what Dan, Google said. That's what were you told the chow chow needs to go and have a number one? <laughs> <laughs> Did you go down to the hairdressers and say, short as you can, mate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And watch out for the number twos, they will explode. <laughs> on on uh, the idea of James, this whole thing that you have about the, uh, yeah, the yeah. incorrect facts about children's books, here's one thing that I've, I... This feels like a very QI thing, so I'm sure a lot of people already know this. I didn't, though. A lot of kids' books, when there's a, a whale, uh, let's say a blue whale or any kind of whale that's surfacing, yeah. there's always this beautiful spout of water oh, that's yeah. coming out, and there's... Yeah, sure. that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They don't do that. What? I feel like I've seen that in real life. Is no, that ah, you have. Oh, what? <laughs> Go on. Go on. <laughs> ah, the Riddler. <laughs> well, but his horse was called Thursday. What? Yeah, yeah. And the doctor was his mum. That's yeah. the. <laughs> If you see, if you see any kind of thing where it's a whale with a huge, yeah. like, yeah, the yeah. water Spout. coming out. Spout of water. Spout of water. <laughs> that is basically, according to experts, that's, that is what would happen if a whale is drowning. Oh. They don't spout water out of their blowhole. That's their nostril. That's their breathing. They don't put oh. water out oh, through so their So they... So, when so you they, see, they do breathe. When they you see that, breathe. the breathing is moist air that's just collected inside and that's what's coming out. So if you ever see a whale where there's spouts of water coming down, it is drowning. So it what I've seen... Whale. I've not seen the drowning whale. I've seen, like, a water vapour whale. Yeah, exactly. Right, You're seeing right, water right. vapour and it gives that misty kind of look. But like proper a kettle. Water. <laughs> like yeah. a kettle, yeah. exactly. But if oh. you see a fountain, that's you, you go save that whale. Wow. Yeah. So basically, um, what it means is every drawing of a whale in a child's book it's dying. Very is a dying whale. That's yeah. Very upsetting. <laughs> it is time for fact number three, and that is Andy. My fact is that the false gecko, which has the Latin name pseudo gecko, is a gecko. <laughs> there are ten species of false gecko. They're all geckos. <laughs> not one of them is not a gecko. And they're, they're, it's just a name. It's just a really, so really weird, bad name. Yeah. yeah. And I, I w couldn't find why they're called false geckos. I think maybe they were found and assumed to be something different. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, yeah, but um, geckos are wonderful. Um, <laughs> there are geckos that don't have legs, that look like snakes. I would have thought that would have been the false... Gecko. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are there are six families of geckos with no legs. They're all endemic to Australia and New Guinea. 
Right. Brilliant. And they've got the oh, vestigial yeah. hind limbs. Apparently, they look a tiny bit like flaps. Yeah, the the yeah that you can huh. see these little bumps that come out, but huh. and that yeah means it's a lizard. Yeah. And, um, yeah. No eyelids either. No Almost eyelids. every gecko has no eyelids. There are 1,500 species of gecko, yeah. and all bar 43 have no eyelids. Yeah. Uh -huh. And the Eublepharidae, which literally means good eyelids in ancient Greek, <laughs> they have eyelids. But even they also lick their eyes, like all the other geckos do, to moisten them, despite having eyelids. Right. Oh, Amazing. That's yeah. cool. Have you heard of the fuck you lizard? No. <laughs> this, is, this is a lizard, which it's, it's not its official name. That's not the, the scientific name. But um, it, was, it was a lizard that uh, when Americans were over in Vietnam during the war, they kept noticing that they just, ke they just kept hearing a little voice going, fuck you. And they're like, who, what is going on? And they'd be walking up, fuck you. And, and so they all discovered that it's just this lizard that just makes a noise. Come on. And like, fuck you. And so it became known as, yeah, the fuck you lizard. Why do That's we amazing. not all have one of those? Yeah. 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 Like, the noises, I, I, was, I was surprised at the gecko noises, though, that they bark. Well, they're the only lizard that makes a noise, geckos. Uh, are they? Yeah, that's because that, if you think what noise does a lizard make, you but, wouldn't have yeah. thought it was. Oof! <laughs> <laughs> but that, that sort of it sounds more like a sort of electric buzzer ring, doesn't it? S yeah. Sally, do you think a gecko could ever win the palm dog? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Fuck it's you. A, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> We covered a few years ago, I think we covered the hero dog of the year, and a few oh, years yeah, ago yeah. it was won by a cat. I, that's <laughs> yeah. true. That, really? That, yeah. That, 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 I presented that. hero dog of the year. No. No. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, no, not this year, but anyway, quite recently. And this hero is going to year. sound a bit mean now. <laughs> but one of the finalist dogs, <laughs> okay, this is just my problem, it was a finalist dog, and it wasn't a chihuahua, but it was similar, it was very, very small. <laughs> And um, his owner slash mummy, whatever you prefer to call it, said that the dog had saved her partner's life by giving him um, CPR. CPR. <laughs> That's, she's got home and, and her husband was, is kissing the dog. The That's dog what's was, happened there. The dog was very, very small. Very small. I, I don't know why the dog was trained in CPR. But anyway, it's all a bit of a problem for me having to... <laughs> silence the questions in my brain that kept coming. Well, because there's so many stages. You've so got to lay the yeah, head like, back a bit. You've got to. <laughs> you just want to go. You're, you're shitting me, right? Yeah. This is like, <laughs> this and is did, was that was that the? Oh, it was one of the finalists. Didn't win. Didn't win. Didn't win. Well, who the fuck took that as a dog? <laughs> the winners were amazing. There were these water dogs that who did um, open heart surgery. They, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a dog with SpaceX in Mission Control. Hey, animals um, have done some amazing things. They I do, have, I do want to yeah. tell, before we move on from geckos, though, did you know that in January last year, German Hans Kurt Kubus was caught at Christchurch Airport, New Zealand, with 44 geckos concealed in his pants? <laughs> <laughs> they were doing a small incision and. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's just walking through immigration. He's <laughs> roof, 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 roof. <laughs> Fuck you! Fuck you! <laughs> There's a massive market in gecko smuggling. Really? That's a amazing. New Zealand gecko, because they're diurnal, like most geckos are nocturnal. Right. New Zealand gecko is, is diurnal, very, very pretty, and they can go for about $22,000. So there's What's a massive. Diurnal? Sorry, diurnal. Do, oh, I've got, is that the wrong word? No, no, they, no, 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 no they, they, they awake in the day. Awake in the day. Oh, you, you're well, diurnal. I'm diurnal. Yeah. Is that the right word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I Don't question yourself, Sally. Question, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
you'll Yet, get used to this. Yet, tell me more about Yeti. Yeah. <laughs> My ignorance uh, oh, questions. No. Dan, yeah. do you want to know a cool... So, diurnal, awake in the day. Yeah. Uh, nocturnal, awake at night. Yeah. Crepuscular. Dusky. Yeah. I know that. Dawn and dusk. <laughs> what happened to the ternal bit of the word? Why did they lose that? I don't know. Latin, <laughs> innit? <laughs> uh, speaking of Latin, I was reading about Alien, the Roman writer and orator. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he said... Yeah. He said that if a dead gecko lands in your wine, then it's fine. <laughs> but okay. if it lands in your olive oil, it will taste terrible, and when you eat it, it will immediately give you lice. Wow. Oh, it's okay. great. They've got lots of uh, symbolic... There's lots of superstition around geckos yeah. and lizards, aren't there? If you find a lizard tail in your left shoe, it is very lucky. Do not take it out. <laughs> is that real? <laughs> that's, that's a real one. That's a Just current the tail. day one. Just the tail, yeah. yeah. Because obviously their tails come off and they can regrow them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do. do you know starfish, though, can regrow... If you take its leg off, it can regrow a whole starfish from the leg. That's nuts. <laughs> like, that's, cra that's crazy, though. What do they that have... What, do they have... Um... They store all the nutrients in, in the leg until they can grow a mouth. Does it have a brain or intelligence or any kind of thing? Pass, or... don't know. Probably uh... doesn't know it's a starfish, is the truth. But they have neurons. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you about a guy called Ben Barr? Mm. He was looking for a particular gecko called the Capola gecko, uh, which was spotted for the first time in 1968, and then once again in 2007, and that yeah. was it. Yeah. No oh. specimen had ever been observed or collected apart from those two occasions. No one knew if it was still... Uh, existing, you know, or, or alive. Or if or, it was a teleporting horse. Ex well, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And he led three trips to search for it, and basically the process of searching for this capola gecko is just to turn over rocks. <laughs> he spent two years turning over rocks. Leaving no stone unturned. He left no stone unturned. <laughs> he didn't even know for sure what it looked like, <laughs> because not exactly, not exactly. And uh, no scientist had ever held one in their hand. And after two years and three expeditions, he found one. Hey! He nice. said he was so excited. He said it was very similar to having a baby, the euphoria. And have you bought the movie rice? <laughs> <laughs> it's just lovely, yeah. And he, he found nice. four. He found four on the same expedition. Oh, that's cool. I imagine under the same rock, but still. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Imagine that determination to keep on. It's like your um, surface area measuring <laughs> yes, scientist. Yeah, you do admire right. it. Yeah. 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 I got addicted to watching conservation TV at one point, like yeah. the presentations of all the scientists, because it was I mean, all the conservation scientists, zoologists, I guess they're called. Um, because they, they was, it was so funny, like the Argentinian wolfman. He had long, long hair. And, I, and it, he really appeared to be having an affair with the uh, British cheetah lady. <laughs> and and there, was a, there was this really adorable couple, I think, from Chile, from Chile, who had been looking for the onion wildcat. And we spent to it, and they said, we have not ever seen that onion wildcat. It's been five years. And they showed all these... Photos of uh, Land Rover in different places where they had looked for the Andean wildcat <laughs> and not seen it. And they were so charming and like, oh, well, it's been an interesting journey, but <laughs> we think there is wildcat. We think this is a wildcat uh, poop or whatever they say, a stool. <laughs> and then they went off. And then this really arrogant, tall, American, thin American guy came in from the uh, rare wildcat conservation society and he went, wildcat? Wildcat, and he just had 50 slides of wildcats. Oh. 
Yeah. Wait, were you presenting yeah. him with an award? No, I was, just, okay. <laughs> I was just depressed. I was in bed watching them on YouTube. <laughs> you know, I became very interested in the, the women who run sloth sanctuaries. Oh, yeah. Because they seem to have absolutely no zoological training whatsoever. <laughs> and, and, know, and know nothing about sloths. So there's this one woman who goes to a sloth orphanage in Costa Rica. She'd gone on a cruise with her husband and a baby sloth had fallen out of a tree and she'd known right then she needed to abandon her life in the States and start a sloth orphanage. <laughs> Which she did, and the problem she had, she has to stop them having sex with each other. She didn't have room for any more, and people kept bringing them, so they were kept strictly segregated. And that's a slow penis. <laughs> that is a slow penis. There we go. Yes. Very nice. That is a slow penis. But one of them got, got mange, and she just shaved that, shaved it, and she didn't know whether this is right. She shaved them, and so can these you shave, two, she, uh, she, are you she to shouldn't shave a sloth. Shave a sloth I'm no. sure. And, then, and there's a PhD student, and I ended up watching the you know documentary series about them and getting absolutely obsessed. There was a PhD student there. <laughs> Called Becky, who was, who was, who was do you I remember the word? I think we've mentioned Becky on the podcast. But yeah, Have you? Has she been on? Like, no, she hasn't been. Oh, we can get her. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, like, it, is. it was really, it was really. Weird. I think but I feel so... she was northern. I feel she was northern. Yeah, she was she's quite from the north of the UK. lethargic yes. herself. Okay. <laughs> she said, "I couldn't decide what to do for my PhD," and I went to see my tutor, and I said, "I can't decide between jaguars <laughs> and sloths," and he said. What about sloths? So here I am. <laughs> and then and the she... cheetah lady went past. Went, yeah, that's a really good idea. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Have you seen the video where a sloth mistakens its own arm for a tree branch, <laughs> and then can't do anything about it because it's so slow? It just falls <laughs> from the tree. They can be quite fast, though, can't they? There's the ones that can swim are they quite fast. Really yeah. They swim really fast. They swim really fast. If you put them in a fast current, they're just I think drugged, they, aren't they? Yeah, those, they yeah. those leaves that they. That's just drugs, isn't it, for them? Yeah. They only eat one. I did think about writing a film about this sloth sanctuary, which is why. And um, obviously, you can get the sloths out of uh, Costa Rica. <laughs> Their <laughs> agents will never get back to you. That's the yeah, problem with a yeah, sloth. You, you know? can't, can't transport them. <laughs> I was reading about a woman who runs a hospital for Hawaiian monk seals. And I read about her. Oh, this is amazing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so she, um, she runs this, this monk seal place. <laughs> and she was out and she was, you know, getting lunch or something like that. And she gets a missed call. On, or, like, she gets a call on her phone. She picks it up. No one's there. So what's going on? Um, happens nine times while she's out. And she's called, she's called, like, the phone people. She's like, is there, like, anything wrong with the line? It looks all fine. Gets back to the hospital and she looks. And on the phone is a little gecko just pressing its finger on the call button and it's calling her. And that was it. She was getting... Yeah, but it'd been calling loads of other people as well. Yeah, she, it called... Yeah, a... it made a bazi... The newspaper said a bazillion phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> That was the official number, yeah. Wow. Yeah, just um, little gecko feet. Can I do a quick quiz before we move on? Yes, we do need to move on, yes. Um, so this was a weirdly named animal, pseudo-gecko. Is it a gecko, is it not? Um, I've got some more like this. So the coffin fish. Can the coffin fish cough? Ah. It's a quiz. Or are you tricking us with pronunciation? Does it live I'd say it does in, a float. in a coffin? It does float. It's yeah. coffin fish, like coffin. a coffin, but mm. can it cough? Uh, I'll say no, it can't. I don't think fish can. Well, you're wrong. Oh. Um, fish can expel air through their gills if things get stuck in there, and we call that coughing. That's a cough. Um, can the swallowtail butterfly swallow its own tail? <laughs> yes. No, I'm going to no. say no. No, obviously not. <laughs> um, obviously but the dead. only fact I know about it is it has an eye on its penis, so it can see where it's going. Crumbs. 
Really? That yeah. is not true. It is true. <laughs> the swallowtail. The swallowtail. Butterfly. But oh, butterfly. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. It's fine. It's a butterfly. <laughs> I was thinking uh, so swallow. You've read the very hungry no. caterpillar. That's the final <laughs> scene. And finally, does the bloody nose beetle often have a bloody nose? I'll say yes. Andy, I've told you, insects don't have noses. Oh. Will you please listen? Oh, I fell right into it. No, it expels blood from its mouth. Oh. And that's why it's called that. It expels blood from its mouth. <laughs> um, oh we're we're going to need to move on to our final fact of the show. Can't bear it. The show? Or... Oh, no, no. <laughs> right with you. I, I feel, yeah. I want to talk about the <laughs> yeah. penguin who got a knighthood, and I want to talk about the Welsh corgi who's got a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it is time for our final fact of the show, and that is Sally. The band, the Super Furry Animals, do you see what I did there, wore Yeti costumes for a year, and they said it really changed their personalities. Becoming much hairier changed how they performed. What was the surface area when they were... <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, know much great, about, I, I don't know much about the Super Furry Animals. Well, you know, to be honest, until yesterday, nor did I. <laughs> <laughs> but they're Welsh. Welsh. Rockers. Yeah. Like, no, they're Welsh. Welsh rockers, they're like the centrepiece of the cool Cymru, uh, you know, Welsh resurgence with Gorky's zygotic minky. I'm going to say that wrong. That's correct, okay. isn't it? You're a super fan, though, aren't you? I am a super fan. You're a super fan. fairy fan of the super And of Gorky's zygotic monkey as well. You're wearing yeah. a T-shirt. Yeah. You're wearing a T-shirt right now. What's yeah. that? They are very, very cool. They, they, they did loads of, like... Yeah, they did uh, loads of crazy stuff. They had yeah, they, lots of, like, costumes and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, they yeah, bought, a, they bought and, a tank <laughs> and drove it into the National Estedford. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. They bought it for £10,000 from a one-eyed arms dealer with a limp. And then they sold it on to Don Henley from the Eagles. <laughs> really? Isn't that extraordinary? Like Just a real... It wasn't, it, arms you know, dealing band circuit It, was, it wasn't the That's only really um, contact they had with arms dealers either. They, they, they sampled lots of sounds, didn't they? And they, they got some real guns. But what's, they, with the, what's with the Yeti thing? So, so why the did Yeti they thing, the they... Yeah. Um, well, they'd experimented on the, the album before. They had some uh, snow monsters on stage in Glastonbury during uh, the Northern Lights song. They were members of Mogwai. Do you know all of this? Mogwai, yeah. No, no. A bit. And unfortunately, Mogwai just dropped an E before putting <laughs> the very hot suits on. <laughs> and it became quite dangerous. So they had to have people running around giving them, um, giving them water. But they, they were really into different kinds of creatures. And then they, they came across a sculptor called Peter Gray who made loads of sculptures out of hair. And he suggested just making these, these Yeti costumes for them for a video, the video for Golden Retriever. And they, they thought it was just brilliant. And he, Peter Gray said, I'll tell you where it needs to be. You need to shoot this on a glacier in Iceland next to a giant fire, which all the Yetis are worshipping. But they'd recently signed with Sony, who said that was an uninsurable concept. <laughs> so they did it in a studio in North London. And it sort of looks like the Yetis are playing inside a cardboard box, which is being sniffed at and then urinated on by a dog. Um, but it's really, really cool. So how did it change their personalities? Yeah, it changed their personalities. They said they're none of them exhibitionists, really. They, you know, they're quite political and love music, very creative and, you know, nonconformist and... And the rest of it. I mean, they, they, they uh, released a Welsh, entirely Welsh language LP and then only toured it in America and Australia, for it went, example. It, yeah. it went uh, to top went, 20. went into the top 20, yeah. yeah. But um, they said that it was like being transformed. They said, none of them were exhibitionists in reality. It's an actual quote. But we were able to put these costumes on and become 70s rock monsters. And it drove the audience nuts. 
Um, so they, they really... And so it's kind of interesting, the impact of hair, hairiness or hairlessness I don't know. I think has it's, incredible power. I think it's a costume thing. So my, my son's fifth birthday was mm. um, last year, late last year, and I dressed up as Mr. Potato Head. And <laughs> I honestly felt... Did you, I saw did you buy I saw, that or make it? I bought it from... Bought yeah, it. I bought it online. It's I really saw, cool. I saw it. It was... It was yeah, was, did it inflate it was itself? Was it one of those? Yeah. It was like a brown big piece of fabric and then you could stick on the eyes and the ears and stuff like uh, that. It's, do you know what? It was a hit, Andy, despite you... Uh, I'm half. saying I'm saying it was good. <laughs> We've lent it out to multiple parents ever since for Have their birthday you? parties. Yeah, we haven't even got it at the moment. But here's the thing, the confidence it gave me, because it was... <laughs> With that audience of five-year-olds who would have worshipped you anyway. I, no, I, I honestly... like Really? I, yeah, it really, I felt like a superhero. It was amazing. That's interesting. And I went up, because it was... School had just started. My son was going to a new school. We knew yep. no one. So I, I went up to all the parents. I would never do that. Went up to all of them. Hey, what's up? At so you went to the party, school? Not the school gates. This is a... No, no, this is the party. <laughs> oh, right, I'm Mr. Okay. Potato Head. Yeah, yeah, what I'm it. just trying to say is I don't think it's the hair necessarily. I think... Yeah. You, you must know this as an actor. When you have a different persona that suddenly comes over you, there's a weird yeah. confidence that makes you a bit unstoppable in a way. I was unstoppable. It can go, it can go both ways. I'm, I'm thinking... Oh, really? <laughs> I have very vivid memories of it going the other way. Okay. I mean, I suppose one... Yes, I do, I do know what you mean. It's weird. When you play a bride in a film, people on set treat you as if you're getting married. Oh, Even really? though they know you're acting. Really? We all know you're acting. But you get treated, people open doors and they smile at you and go, oh, it's wow. interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a thing with autistic kids where if you put them in a mask, you can, not all, you can't generalise, but lots of people have found that theatre can really help people who are very introverted to speak. Well, that's, that's really interesting. Well, interestingly, just on topic, so what they were doing there, they were dressing as yetis. It's not being a furry, but that's... A lot of people dress up <laughs> as furries, right? I think we should say what a, what a furry is for those... I mean, yeah, so a furry is someone who feels more comfortable when they're wearing a costume that has been designed where it's an uh, animal... No, I think a furry animals. is just someone who's a fan of the culture of, uh, you know... Yeah. Anthropomorphic animals, yes. and some of them do like to work. Exactly. Yeah, Sorry, they're very so... keen. They they feel they get a bad press, and over sixty percent of furries feel that they are bullied, and get negative. <laughs> people have negative concepts. But it's yeah. weird things. Only around twenty five percent of all furries yeah. own a suit. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. So I don't know how you classify yourself as a furry if you. Well, I guess you the you go to the cons and you you like uh, like what, reading in, in your home clothes. Yeah, yeah. Not in a suit. Yeah. I thought it was all about the suit. So did I, but we're wrong. Maybe you can't afford it. But on the point of autism, there, there was one of these cons that had an <laughs> autism panel with right. furries. And there was a lady there who said that um, it really helps if you're autistic. So she said, for three days, I am not autistic. For three days, I am a giant anthropomorphic version of the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> and she feels... It helps break the ice. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> there we go. The first furry convention... <laughs> <laughs> the first furry convention was almost all people in normal clothes uh, or in human clothes. Right. And you can still see videos of it online. It was in uh, Holiday Inn in California. Uh, and there's basically only one person who dresses up in a costume. Oh. It was a guy called Robert Hill who came dressed as a giant S&M deer called Hilda the Bambioid. 
Crikey. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but it's amazing. And they chose that place because it's so close to Disneyland. And they thought that everyone who's kind of into anthropomorphic animals would also be into Disneyland. Mm. And they went there. And they, you know, there's, if you go online, you can see, like, the history of all these conferences that they've had um, called Conference. Uh, and the first time they had a problem with the hotel was in 1994. And the problem was the <laughs> too hotel... Many, too many, all, all, all the bathrooms got clogged drains. That was the problem. <laughs> that was the only problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, and the breakfast buffet was... No. <laughs> um, apparently, it was too big, the hotel, so they couldn't fill it up with just their people. So there was a lot of other people there as well. Okay. Uh, and, you know, they weren't so understanding, and there was right. lots of complaints. Uh, and then a maid found a costume in a room by a person who had a costume of veteran of the psychotic wars. And it was a unicorn who carried a big sort of cartoon cherry bomb. So they, they would have like this big sort of black bomb shape like you would have in a Oh, with like cartoon, the, the yeah. wick coming out. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is going on? So they on? found this. <laughs> the, the maid found this costume in the room. Right. And they called the bomb squad because there was a bomb in the room. But a cartoon bomb. A cartoon bomb. Although, what's the best place to hide a bomb? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but the bomb. Um, the bomb squad didn't see it the right way, and they fined the hotel for making a prank call. So when the bomb squad came and they saw it was just cherry bomb and there was a unicorn costume next to us, they're like, you're wasting our time. And they find them, and they never were allowed to go back to that hotel again. Okay. I don't think anyone's oh, behaved reasonably there. What? What about this guy's just... He's just got a costume. It's not his fault. Yeah, I guess. They, they, I did, it did amuse me, that quote in the article we've probably both read, yeah. where um, they said, most furries, it's not an erotic thing. It just gets too hot. <laughs> yeah. Right, the other astonishing fact was that there's 10,000 people in the UK who live as dogs. Uh... uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, that's what it said on Google. Living as maybe dogs. Maybe not living as a, dogs, maybe like dogs wanting very, to dogs be... Dogs have a very broad spectrum wanting of... Wanting to be re referred to or dress up as dogs or have handlers and... Oh. That seemed to be a different kind of outfit. That seemed to be a kind of... It's a lot. It seemed to be a kind of white unitard with little spots. Right. Feels like you yeah. might have read Live on the Isle of Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I go for a walk every day. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. you know... Am I one of your 10,000? <laughs> Just What's some a broad spectrum of dogs, though? Like, well, where... some, dogs, some dogs live in the house, some dogs might live in a kennel, some dogs are uh, pampered house dogs. Yeah. Some there is dogs a BDSM are... thing of pups being a pup. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you've got... You've got uh... You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I did, no, no, I did sorry, not I, mean... I did not know, I did not know that. I said, yeah, yeah, to kind of gloss over it rather than, <laughs> rather than to fully endorse. Um, but, you know, dogs divide into hound, pooch and mutt, don't they? Those are the three... Do they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are the three broad categories <laughs> so of dogs. A broad category of yeah, yeah. dog that you can choose to dress up as. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> but, like, if you see a dog, normally you'll know within a second whether it's a hound, a pooch or a mutt, unless it's a Labrador, in which case it's just a dog. The, lab <laughs> the Labrador is the kind of classic dog. Does right. no one else play hound, pooch or mutt? No. Oh, yeah. Extraordinary. Can Extraordinary. you get Andy an introduction to Hero Dog of the Year? <laughs> I think I could qualify. Yeah. I do, I do. Um, just on dressing up as, uh, as animals... Um, so a lot of people who have to dress as animals a lot and not sort of for relaxation for their work are zookeepers. There's a brilliant photo from 2004 of some... There's a, a Japanese party of school children. They're all about, I'd say, four or five years old. And they are being approached by a life-size rhinoceros, which is a pantomime rhinoceros with two zookeepers in it, front and back, which are basically charging the school children. The teachers have to get the children away from the rhino. It looks genuinely terrifying. But is it, how realistic is the costume? It's pretty good. Is it? If I was five, 
I would yeah. be very nervous. You'd be scared. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I don't think so, because I once did a... <laughs> I once did a kids show, I mean, a long time ago, did a kids show with Sue Perkins, in fact, mm. and called Lucy and the Dinosaurs. And a friend of ours was playing a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And, and uh, <laughs> Ben Moore, do you know Ben yeah, Moore? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ben Moore was Tyrannosaurus Rex. He had a big costume. And Sue Perkins very irresponsibly said to the kids, hey, let's beat up Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> and the stage was stormed with f- upwards of 55-year-olds who just kicking the living daylights out of Ben Moore, who looks, you know, like a early Mr Muscle. Mr Muscle's got muscly recently, have you noticed that? But anyway, Mr Muscle used to be uh, in the advert, but anyway, and Ben was just in the recovery position, sort of crying yeah, and yeah. shaking. Oh. Get them off. Well, I've been beaten up are... in a chicken costume by Alan you... Davis on QI. You have? Yeah, yeah. Be- beaten up by who? By Alan Davis. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Actually he probably... I think he was taking out a lot of frustration from the previous... 10 years. Yeah. Um, oh, no. But yeah, I was in a costume and he decided as a joke, I think. Was this during the show or were you guys in a hotel room? <laughs> <laughs> it was for a Christmas special of QI. And the thing is, because the, the kind of slot that you look through is quite small yeah. and it's a big sort of costume, the one that I had, and I assume it was the same, it very easily goes in the wrong place and suddenly yeah. you can't see anything. Yeah. And it's boiling hot, you're sweating and yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. And all you can do is go fetal. It's like literally the only thing. And you did <laughs> on set that were like while filming. It was incredibly. People had to talk you down. I once got I once got asked if I wanted to be an alien in a film. Was that the, the Roman orator? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got the look. Uh, no, it was a. I was playing basically that I would have been playing the beast that sort of landed in a, in a meteorite and then That's had cool. crashed and then. But the guy, my friend who was casting the film, said, "You will just have to lie." in a field, in a rubber suit for a week. And, and I said no, and I regret it now. I bet. I wish I'd done it now. What was yeah. the movie? I don't know. <laughs> so apparently, the, just going back to furries a second, the conventions oh, yeah. are a nightmare for oh, exactly yeah. the reason that you were saying about... Um, everyone's too hot. The, yeah, everyone's too hot. They can't see anything. So anyone who's in a costume is just bumping into each other. You're, the article says, inevitably going to smack a child in the head because <laughs> your arms are just, you know, whapping about. You can't see them at the level Got a big tail. To. Sorry? Got a big tail, maybe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why not... I was just trying to help. I was trying to contribute to the... <laughs> was, it, was it going that badly? <laughs> no, uh, it wasn't. Hey, by the way, we are going to have to wrap up. Really oh, soon. Yeah. We've, no. And we've gone really far over the have whole... Like, um, yeah. Oh, no. God, I've, yeah, yeah. I've only just started. Can I give you no. some um, furry vocab and see if you can guess what they mean? Oh, oh cool, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, so what do you think is a furry tan? Furry tan? F-U-R-I-T-A-N. Oh, a Puritan. Someone who is like a Puritan, it's someone who only wears the costume. It's a furry fan who is not interested in any sexual content. Mm. That's pretty good. Puritan, yeah. Um, To scritch. Do you know what to scritch means? Uh, Oh, you can't scratch yourself through the fur. Oh, that's good. So what do you do? I don't know. It's not that, but it is to do with scratching. It's to scratch someone gently, often as a friendly gesture or greeting. Just do a little... Don't do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know, can you guess what a fur pile is? Is that where they all... Is that like oh, a fun... bundle. Yeah, a bundle. They all well, jump sh- on top yeah. of each other. A carpet is like a, a carpet you would say it has a shag pile. So is it <laughs> broadly similar? It's pretty much that. It's a gathering of fully costumed participants who roll around on the floor, scritching each other. Yeah. Scritching yeah. got quite sexy all of a sudden. <laughs> 
The other thing is yeah. that Andy mentioned tails earlier, yeah. and there could be an idea in the future that maybe we give all, <laughs> get, maybe give all old people tails. For okay. balance. For balance. Carl, you're good at this game. <laughs> um, yeah, the idea is you get like yeah. these sort of mechanical tails and yeah. you put them on old people and they can tell if an old person... <laughs> with, with their consent and, <laughs> and support. <laughs> of course. Just stop them falling over, it's, is it? Yeah, so the, the tail can tell when they're about to fall over and it can move itself that, so it'll give them more balance. It'll stop people from falling over. I think Turn that's old, brilliant. Old, old, Dr. Octopus. Yeah. I think we should give them gecko feet instead. <laughs> Because you don't want to come. Grandma, they... what are you doing up there? It's <laughs> one of the reasons there's such a trade in geckos, apparently, is they're being t uh, studied for the space program. Did you read that? The, what? Well, the, the, yeah, what? Because so... their feet, because they're so. Feet can stick to anything except Teflon. Oh, Isn't that weird? Okay. Oh, really? Gecko feet will stick to absolutely anything at all except dry Teflon. It's all right if it's wet, but. Is okay. it Teflon what we largely use in space, though? Yeah, so it's a problem. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the, the clingability... Great news! We've made you exactly as good as a gecko. Now get up to that space station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, well, they did, they did this experiment where they got a load of geckos and they stuck them on stuff and then they <laughs> euthanised them all. And then they put them back up and they stayed exactly the same, stuck, dead, as alive, so... Wow. On that note, Dan... Yep. <laughs> um, always good to go out on a big laugh. Um... <laughs> That is it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we've said over the course of this podcast, we can be found on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at Schreiberland. Andy. At Andrew Hunter M. James. At James Harkin. And Sally. I've just given it up. Thanks. I know. <laughs> yeah, but you're on Instagram, though. I am on Instagram. I think I'm Sally Smack on Instagram. Sally Smack. Okay. I smack the pony. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we are also on um, Twitter as a group, as No Such Thing, or you can email us at podcast at qi.com or go to our website, nosuchthingasafish.com. All of our previous episodes are up there. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Sally, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having it's me. It's been awesome. Uh, and we'll see everyone... Okay, all right, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's...